On this week's episode of Friend Code, we're continuing our stroll down memory lane with the N64 and the Game Boy Color. So how's it going everyone? Damiani here on a new episode of Friend Code. We talk about all things Nintendo and I am joined... Whoa, whoa, Kyle, what was that head shake? We've started off with one of my pet peeves. Whoa. What is that, Kyle? All things blank. All things blank. All, if, if, we're, today we're going to chew on all things Persona 5. Well, you, you, know, know, just, you know what, Kyle? Huh? In the back of my head, every single time I post about friend code, mm-hmm. and you're like, Damiani, <laughs> what's friend code? Damiani, what's friend code? <laughs> so your trolling has been mm-hmm. embedded into my mind, Kyle, okay. so much that yeah. I felt the need to qualify yeah. what this show is about at the beginning. We should have had a discussion about the definition of friend code. The definition of friend code. <laughs> yes. We will have to work on that. Mm-hmm. So as, you, as you've heard yeah. or seen, we are joined today by Kyle Bossman. Hi, everybody. And Mr. Daniel Bloodworth. Hello. And last time, um, part one, we talked about NES, Super Nintendo, the original Game Boy, and we're making our way to the N64 era. Before we get there, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of one, one item of housekeeping, I think. Okay. Um, last episode, we actually did, uh, our Nintendo, uh, the April Nintendo Direct, we did discussion about it, and we asked for your feedback regarding whether or not you cared how late it was after the actual Nintendo Direct, and it seemed overwhelmingly the direction was, please do that. Please absolutely cover it, no matter how late or how long it takes you to get to it. So we'll continue to do that. So thank you for providing that feedback, and, uh, that was pretty much it for housekeeping, so. Cool. Good stuff, but. We always begin most episodes with Dear Nintendo. Yes. Ah. And we are traveling back to 1998, the November 1998 issue of Nintendo Power, which was covering The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, on the cover here. Then they have this nice spread ad in here with the, the nice pamphlet. 1998, good grief. What a year. Had this artwork in here. What is that? Let's uh, turn around so we can see it. Oops. I have another copy it's of this. Uh... It's the... <laughs> yeah, flip flip that side to them too. Yeah. Because you covered the art before. Yeah. Something tears apart. It's like, I got another copy. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's falling apart. But it's okay. We there's got Link, it. link, and there's like a Deku... Baba. Yeah. And then one more. Thank you, Blood. I forgot what those are called. Is it Deku Baba? Yep. And they had some Poe's on there. Or a Poe. Um, ooh. Good thing it didn't fully... Oh, man. It's starting to break at the seam, I guess. Or the binding. Uh, Two great ads here. The Kyle likes both ads. They're pretty good. The N64 gold cartridge. The Yeast News You Lose. The pre-order for the original uh, gold cart... Or the gold cartridge for the Nintendo 64 version of Ocarina of Time. And then last but not least... You know what? Can we talk about the Wilst Thou Suck uh, ad campaign for a second? Oh, yeah, sure. You're talking about the video. Yeah. Which they also remade for Ocarina Time 3D, but they reworded it a bit. Right. Hmm. Um, and, and that's what they're doing right here with the... Uh, what, is it, what does it say? So it Sorry. says, you snooze, you lose. You snooze, you Don't lose. Don't blow thy only chance for a limited edition gold cartridge. Yeah. And then Zelda, have ye what it takes. So they're like an attempt at edgy using medieval language, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I don't think it was a bad idea. Oh, <laughs> I think it's I think it's way off tone for what Zelda is. Right. But to gr- to get people in '98, to get teens in '98, I think it was a good call actually. 
Yeah, I think the only thing that because it was a product of the time yeah. was the one line in the in the trailer. Obviously, it was like you know making fun of like, will you like play like a girl or something? Yeah, was something forget, like cry I, like a girl. What was I it? I forget what it was, but basically yeah. said like, hey, you know, a little too edgy. Yeah, they they removed that from the when they remade it in 2011. Okay. They they took that out. Very appropriate then. Um, and then here's the table of contents, which is also Ocarina of Time art themed. But it's uh, more like a original art oh, okay, style yeah. with some uh, official art weaved in. Just that's official of, art? Yeah. Like the, cool. the link. Yeah. Yeah. The, the link right there. So that's pretty cool. But anyway, like I love the table of contents. Like that's so cool. With, like the little like horse. But here we go. The player's poll section, which mm -hmm. is the subject of every Dear Nintendo segment. Um, let's start with... Uh, I like this one, Kyle. Okay, here we Here's go. the first one. In Bloodworth, you might find this amusing. The title is called Talk is Cheap. In Banjo-Kazooie, what is Kazooie saying when she jumps? To me, it sounds like Brie, as in red-crested Breagle, the type of bird she is. Other times, it sounds like she's simply saying free, like she is happy to be free from the backpack. Mm -hmm. <laughs> from Luke via the internet. Yeah. And Nintendo... Power staff reply, you got it right the first time, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the lyrics to the Yoshi's Story song, we know what Kazooie is saying, no, and don't. it's Brie. No, you don't. So they don't know They don't know if Yoshi's are saying Nintendo, the end of, or whatever weird uh, jargon that people like assume. Is She's not saying Brie. So Kyle disagrees, oh. so if anyone out there from Nintendo Power would like to chime in. <laughs> Prove it. Go ahead and hit prove us up it. in the comments and prove it. Prove it I that, mean, prove it prove that it, she makes just random noises for every other move like, or discussion except for yeah. that one where she's saying Brie as in contact. Right. Contact me personally on yeah. Twitter. Hit me up. Uh, I'll, I'll turn it into a little a mini episode video for Kyle. <laughs> and, uh, There's Uncle Tusk out there. Can he tell us? Uh, Though I, so I do agree she makes a noise that sounds like Brie. I, I always mean, thought it was Brie. When I played it. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was that. But it's like she's not saying Brie isn't Briegel. Okay, so you're disagreeing about why. Yeah. Okay. You you want that proven? Okay. I see. Hmm. This is an interesting one. Okay. I like this one. We will we'll, we'll do three from each one. So this is the second one. This is called Fade Into You. Why do the pictures I print from my Game Boy printer fade? Oh. From oh. Max, oh, Max via the internet. Wow. <laughs> Instead of using ink. The Game Boy printer heat transfers images onto its special thermal paper, which, if you touch too much, can cause your pictures to fade. To save yourself the worries, avoid excessive handling of the heat-sensitive paper. You'll also be able to rest easier knowing that you'll never have to buy refill cartridges for your inkless printer. Interesting. I wonder how many people put their printer... Uh, their printouts into the freezer after this letter. Touch too much. <laughs> um, I lived in Florida. Like heat was would have probably made it yeah. fade without me touching it. It is a bummer, Damiani, that we skipped uh, Game Boy Color. We we were at the point where we're past the Game Boy Color. I love that thing. Sorry, camera. Game Boy camera. camera, camera is, I was gonna say. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That thing I love. It's like my first video camera that I ever wow, had. Wow, really? I, well, kind of, because you could like make movies in it using stop. Oh yeah, I remember that. The simple things. Yeah. Yeah, I really, really well, love Game Boy. Camera. Even if you weren't making movies, like you, it looked like a video camera when you're just looking at it. Oh, when it you're around. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it looks like, like a webcam. Camera. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
pretty cool for its time. Really, really cool. Um, it's the first I ever saw Pokemon too. So, so I lied. Actually, there's there's one I want to read from this other page, but that one, another one just caught my eye. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I like this one. All right. Putting the video in video games. My friends say that other systems are better than the N64 oh, no. because they can display cool video cutscenes. Oh, don't bring that in here. I don't have any doubt the <laughs> N64 is the best system out there. But I wonder why Nintendo does not put full motion videos in games. <laughs> is it because of the space? Says William via the internet, but this might as well have been Damiani via like fan mail back yeah. in the like late nineties. <laughs> this is something I would have brought up. Sure. FM scene, F, uh, sorry, full motion video scenes are no stranger to N sixty four games. Nice. Just look at the intro and two finales in Banjo Kazooie. Wait, what? No, incorrect. <laughs> or the multiple endings in Mortal Kombat four. Lack of memory is hardly an issue, considering the Legend of Zelda. Ocarina of Time features around an hour's worth of full motion video scenes while never skimping on the detailed graphics or its abundance of sprawling areas. I don't think they know what the def. I think they have a different definition of full motion yeah, games. Yeah, they do. They, yeah, like, wow. I guess they probably are troll. Not there trolling, are but examples, th- they're, they're, but those are not those examples. I think they are like dancing around it by saying you didn't say CG. You, right. Yeah, full motion can apply to any kind of graphics that are in motion. And That's rendered. the question. Do you think the person answering knew better, or the person answering didn't want to like take the L? There? I think it was a bit of both. I yeah. think they like. There was a group discussion. Nintendo's like, yeah, let's let's be smart. Let's try and retrain our fans to believe that FMVs can be mean more than those pretty cutscenes in right. Final Fantasy VII. Because Damiani, the next day, they t- go to school with that answer right there and point their finger yeah. at it and like, look, FMV right here. So, hey, Mr. PlayStation owners got your Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. and those cool CG cutscenes. Well, guess what? Ocarina of Time's got an hour's worth of FMVs. It says so right yeah, here. Yeah, it says so right <laughs> Nintendo said so. Yeah. It's also why uh, listen and uh, be careful uh, about taking anything at face value from Nintendo Power at sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Planting the seeds. Anyway, okay. the last one. Mm-hmm. I like this one too. Ocarina of Rhyme. People are waiting, holding vigils at the store, waiting for the arrival of Zelda 64. They are shivering from head to toe in anticipation of the genius. Of Shigeru Miyamoto. <laughs> for, the land, for the land of Hyrule is a magical place. Players move around in perfect 3D space. They can meet local villagers and see their smiles. Or go to a field and see for miles. Now the release date has been set. I hope this release date can be met. For us... There is a lesson to be learned that true life begins on November 23rd. Seahawks 90 via the internet. <laughs> Too true. Too true. The Nintendo replies. Nintendo Power Staff reply. True life also begins on page 16. In this issue, we start our Ocarina of Time strategy reviews. But some of you adventurers may want to skip this article if you'd rather have the game's secrets and mysteries left untold. Hmm. Like I was called strategy reviews. Yeah. Ocarina of Time strategy reviews. Yeah. It's not really a review, but it's just, yeah. Maybe they're reviewing strategies there. But uh, 
that that's gonna do it for this uh, this segment of uh, Dear Nintendo, and uh, very relevant because as I said earlier, it's time to talk about the Nintendo sixty four, and I'm kind of curious to know. Well, we got another little thing sitting there, real quick. Oh yeah, that's so not a Game Boy Color. Yes, <laughs> we have we have a good lineup today. We have the N sixty four, which was known as the Fun Machine, as indicated on the box itself. The box says it. box says it. I don't think Kyle believed it. Yeah. Kyle never knew about this. The fun machine. He didn't know it was tagged as the fun machine. And that, to me, that's the PlayStation. Do you know what I mean? They looked at a thesaurus. They're like, station machine, fun, play. I don't know, Damiani. I don't know about that. They were going after it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't don't know that that any made the connection at all. Okay. I never made that as a kid. All right. over, Over my head. We also got... I also think there was a sense that, like... It's it's the antithesis because like you know the PlayStation being like more grown up or whatever cool. you know like more about movies and coolness it's the MTV and, like, crowd you know because like they even talked about like the the shape like you know you you can you can have you know your dad's compact car you can have a sleek sports car you know like it's hilarious some of the stuff they had Nintendo Power. Oh wait! So they they love the big dopey shape of the N sixty four. Are we skipping yeah, ahead? That, yeah, yeah, the, the the streamlined curves or whatever. Yeah. Oh okay. It's a nice design. Yeah, it's like a German auto auto manufacturer. No, it isn't. Went after it. Yeah. Smooth. It's like a Porsche. Do you really want to talk about the shape of this thing? It's like a Porsche. (laughs) We might have to get into that. Okay. Because you know I have a lot of thoughts about the controller, but the console itself I think is. What's wrong with it, Kyle? I think it's dopey. I think it's dopey. <laughs> I think the design think, itself I think is need, dopey. You're gonna need to qualify that statement. So I do. I think the the curves and the hilliness of it make it look silly. The hilliness. I think it makes it look like something you would see in Toonland. In Toonland. In Disneyland. Yeah. Okay. Wait, are you popping this? He's popping right it open right now. We're gonna open up. We gotta, we gotta, like, oh, box art. Come on. It's just right here. Oh yeah, and that like prominent vent right there too. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that, Kyle. Shiny. That smooth. You're showing me and not the audience. I'm showing you first okay, to remind you all. Or remind Kyle Bossman. Look it's that. smaller than I remembered. When I when I first like saw it, it seemed huge. It's the back. It seemed it's massive. Like under thing. Yeah, I mean, it's relatively the same size as a PlayStation. Look at this thing. Kyle, hold it. Yeah. Look at that. There's no Ooh, other system that's designed like that. It's heavy, baby. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's worth mentioning. I mean, wait, Dami, are we going out of order, man? Because I feel like we've skipped ahead. Like, it's here. It's in our hands. But, like, so now four ever... controller ports, I think, is part of, a huge part of what the yeah. N64 is. So, we, we, we did skip ahead a little bit. While okay. you're holding your hands, sure. Kyle, tell us about the first time you experienced Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. And did you own a Nintendo 64 when it was that generation? Never owned one. Only played it at a friend's place. Okay. So a friend was really my only exposure to the Nintendo 64 personally. My first, my first experience, Damiani, with Nintendo 64 was actually cruising USA at the arcade at the bowling alley. All right. Uh, it's when it was loading. It had a loading screen that said Ultra, Ultra 64. 64, and uh, that. I played a lot of Cruise in USA. Cruise. Yeah. Did Cruise in USA ever come to N64? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same. I played a in ton Cruise of it on N64. As well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't think I played much of it in the arcade. Oh, it's, oh, it's such a checkpoint. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, Ultra 64, I think, had that kind of uh, buzz. 
like minimal buzz, but like that kind of thing where like the spinning steel logo of Ultra 64 made yeah. you excited. And uh, it was called Ultra 64 for a long time, right? Yep. Uh, probably a good choice not to call it the Ultra 64 in the end. I don't know when it switched to Nintendo. Probably just because they ran into legal or not. They couldn't really? trademark it somewhere in Europe, I believe. Mm. Something already had that, that name and they couldn't use it. So they ended up having to go with Nintendo 64. I believe that's the, the official reason why they had to ultimately switch the name. Think of that alt universe where it's called the Ultra 64. I mean, it was following like an NES, mm-hmm. Super NES, yeah, Ultra Nintendo. So it's going with you know those. Oh, I get it. Ultra is better than Super. Yes. Got it. Better uh, adjective. The first... I I actually actually uh, cut out the because it was actually just about the right size. I actually cut out the Ultra 64 logo oh. from the photo in Nintendo Power. Oh, nice. And, and taped it to over. <laughs> Wait, really? Because you thought the word was so much cooler? Yeah. <laughs> That's I what you, you, I mean, I mean, yeah, what? you take it to your PlayStation <laughs> friends. Right here, the spot right here, yep. bud? Yeah. That's so cool. And you can take that PlayStation friends. You got an Ultra 64. Oh, that's awesome. It's like the Power Glove movement. Uh, the, so bad. The first time I ever saw one in person. Yeah. Let me I'll go I'll go back one more. The first one I ever saw one on TV oh, was a TV. commercial for a local game store called HORC. Which I talked about the last uh, Nintendo Memories. It's where we got uh, Game Boy games with swear words in them. Um, but HORC had this commercial that was like, HORC, we have Japanese Nintendo 64 and American Nintendo 64. Come on in, supplies are limited. HORC. And it would be full of video game stuff. They would have cutscenes from uh, Jumping Flash 2 and Tekken. Just like the CG <laughs> cutscenes just make just you really random stuff. I just remember the spinning hand of Yoshimitsu on their commercials. I was like, whoa, video games. HRC looks so cool. Kyle, maybe huh. the Nintendo Power staff went there and they saw those FMVs. <laughs> and then they, that's why they thought. We can do, we do those. Yeah, we do those. We yeah, got, we oh, got hours worth of over, over time. Uh, the first time I ever saw one in person, uh, it was Christmas 96. Uh, they were in limited supplies, I think. I think it was like a kind of yeah, rare thing that anyone would have. It. it was a hot item. Uh, it was leading up to Christmas. My uncle was over at my grandmother's place, and he had one. And uh, he had Mario 64 running. Nice. And unfortunately, like, just as we arrived, it was like, okay, let me put my video games down. It's time to be with my family. And I was like, can I play this? And the answer was no. No. That must have been so disheartening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Damiani, like, I think now, I'm probably as old as my uncle was then. I'm probably a little younger. Uh, let's say I, I just got a Switch. Let's just say I got a Nintendo 64 with Mario 64, and my little nephew wants to play it. I would say no. No, you little nephew. Went hand uh. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe to them and be yeah, like, like, no. Enjoy, look at the joy and pleasure Sorry, you'll bud. get from this. This is Mario 64. Just make them play the Joy-Cons. I totally get it. I totally get why he wouldn't let me play it. But we just watched it. We watched uh, Mario sleeping and like dreaming mm. about spaghetti. Oh, That's spaghetti. the funny thing. Yeah. He left it running. Mm-hmm. He left it running on the TV. <laughs> like it auto-saves. Yeah. He could have just flipped it off. Mm-hmm. He's just going to tempt you. Tease me with that. And we were all kind of like enamored by that. We were kind of amazed that... Mario was so real that he would fall asleep and have dreams. Yeah, nice. Those are my first N64 memories, Damiani. Blood, a- you want to hold this thing? Sure. All right, Bloodworth. What about you? Are we moving on? Okay. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like you, like I had like all the Nintendo Power videos and stuff coming in. Um, uh, I can't, the weird thing is I can't remember the original way that I was going to have paid for this. Like, I think I might have been saving up some money. I'm not sure exactly what the thing was, but I remember there was a pre-order 
like at, at Toys R Us. Okay. Oh, and, and yeah, and I and I actually Toys R Us had a whole the whole line of uh, playable demos. So yep. like, you know, again, Toys R Us was right next to where my mom worked. So you know, when I would have to sit and wait for her to finish work, then I would just pop over to Toys R Us. I'd play some Mario sixty four. You know, and she would come over and grab me Amazing. when. When uh, how long did they have that before release? The Mario sixty four demo. I can't remember, but it was definitely like weeks. Yeah. Ahead. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. It was it was quite a ways in advance, and but anyways, so when launch day came, we went over to Toys R Us with the pre order, and they were like, uh, "Yeah, we we didn't get enough in, and so you know, here's yours will probably be coming in like a couple of weeks in like October," and it was like, "What? No, I've been waiting all this time," <laughs> and and so my brother basically stepped in. And we went across the street to Walmart, and Walmart had them right there. And my brother just bought it for me right there. Nice so like, yeah, I got the N64 and Super Mario 64. And I remember like driving home and like pulling the Mario 64 cartridge out. And like, it's a different game, but you know, it's like it's like just looking like how big it was and how heavy it was, because compared to the Super Nintendo cartridges, they definitely felt heavier. Um, and uh, that one may not be as heavy as Mario 64, uh, actually. Sure. Yeah, because their weights um, depended on the... Yeah, just how much is in there. And then, and then yeah, Mario 64 was just it for a while. Um, because there was just, like, it was just crazy just to move around the courtyard and to jump into the mode and just, and to, like, slide on your belly or do the kicks or just all of the <laughs> different things that you could do. Yeah in that game that you could never do in another Mario game or in anything really you know it's like the closest thing in our minds to that was Star Fox which was you know all constantly moving forward um so yeah and then you know those first few months like I was just always at the rental store like every new N64 game that came into the rental store I was like yep running that and I was just like played every N64 I could didn't matter um what it was like you know like i played through all the wave race i played through like mortal kombat trilogy i played through like wayne gretzky 3d hockey nice. you know it was just if it's an n64 game i wanted wanted to play it nice that's uh i experienced a lot of my games that way too through went uh, through rentals as well but my so my story at the nintendo 64 was kind of the same way um Similar fashion to how I got my first NES was, was basically my parents told me you need to get good grades, essentially. And I just remember that semester stuck out so much because I got put into a, a like a higher, not advanced placement because I was too young. It wasn't that, but like. It's for smart kids. It was called Humanities was the name of the class. Okay. Which was kind of funny. Yeah. But it was a harder class. It was more abstract learning class. And. I was just freaking out because like, I was like, this class is too hard. Like, there's no way I'm getting, like, an A in this class. Like, I had to get a 90 or above. So, came my report card time. Uh, the last ex- like, the last test I got, I know, knew the score I needed to get on it to get an A in that class. Got that score. I was like, boom. Went to go get my report card immediately. I was like, mm-hmm. showing my parents, like, let's go do it now. And they're like, all right, well, your your grandmother has or has like pre-ordered one for you. I didn't say pre-order, but like your grandmother's getting you one. Um, when it comes in, you know, she'll deliver it. Same situation as you, Blood. Mm. Basically, launch came. Uh, she didn't get one at launch. Uh, she had to wait a few weeks. I remember getting it sometime in October, basically. It's probably mid to late October because I remember I was finishing Super Mario 64 around the week of Halloween. 
essentially. Mm. Whoa. Or, or seeing Bowser, the final Bowser fight around then. And yeah, that's, uh, but before that, uh, funny thing, Blood mentioned the videos, like getting videos from Nintendo Power and stuff. I would watch the video they sent for the Nintendo 64, where they like, the premise was they flew three kids in from around the U.S., to Nintendo headquarters to check out the new Nintendo 64. And they made it like the coolest kids I've ever... Like, they were like, these kids are the coolest kids in existence right now. Who do you have to be to get this tape mailed to you? Um, so, I don't think it was... If you're, if you're a subscriber to Nintendo Power, yeah. you sometimes got them. Uh-huh. Other times you got them through retail stores. If you were like on some mailing list or whatever. Like an yeah. old traditional mailing list, not Weird. like email. Um, they would send it to you. Apparently, you could just request one. They were free. They were not for sale. They were promotional videos. Yeah. You could just request one if you found if like you knew how to request them. Cool. So, got one of those. I got a few others, but that one I would watch every single day. Like I'd go to before I go to bed, pop it in, watch it, and be like, <laughs> see the Mario sixty four footage. Be like, that's gonna be me. How long is this video? Oh, like. 15 yeah 15 and 20. oh so it's super minutes. short oh yeah it's super they don't show short. that many games on it or anything? no it's uh like the star fox oh, a lot of them yeah, yeah were focused on one game yeah there was a star fox donkey kong country diddy kong racing that. had one yeah uh banjo kazooie had one yep there was one. definitely Majora's mask had one nice there was definitely one that was like a mix up though because i remember like Shadows of the Empire being on there. So it's probably this one though, like the, yeah. the launch one. Yeah, had they, Shadows of they the had. On there it. was two other games. I think it was Pilot Wings, Super Mario sixty four, and I think it was Shadows of the Empire. Yeah, were on that, and they got the, they got to play them. Mm-hmm. It's like you guys are so awesome. You're my oh, heroes. Yeah. yeah. But before that, I almost gave up hope on the Nintendo sixty four. <laughs> that that poem we read mm-hmm. about the the release date, you know, and stuff like that. Ocarina Times release date slip, and six four experienced the same thing. There was a point where I was so bummed out that it wasn't coming out as soon as PlayStation, and all my and some of my friends were getting PlayStations and being like, "Look how cool this is!" I was like, I started a PlayStation fund, mm. basically like my say, like money mm. I earned would go into a, like a, some kind of tip jar essentially that said PlayStation fund on it. With this ninety six, ninety five. Oh, okay, ninety five. Like, like, what, what were you looking sure, forward sure. to in ninety five though? Because ninety five, so, I was. Yeah, definitely I, in the mode of like, don't even worry about Sony, like, because all the other crap that was coming out, you know, it's like it was Nintendo and Sega. Just stick with those. You don't need Sony's junk. I played when it came out. I started after it came out because I played it. A neighbor had it. I went over to play it at his house. He had uh, Kingsfield. Mm-hmm. Um, which I would it just made me think of a 3D Zelda because it's like a first person RPG, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh man, like... I can't wait to play Zelda like this. Okay. It's terrible at it, but it was super fun to just run around and get killed and, and everything like that. And then uh, the the Warhawk, uh, the Harrier game, sure. uh, I forget was it called Warhawk? It's called yeah, Warhawk. Warhawk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, played that and I love that. I was mm-hmm. like, oh man, this is pretty cool. It's like, and they had to go home to your Super I, Nintendo. I went home yeah. and I was like, when's N64 coming out? Oh. <laughs> Okay, Nintendo. Mm-hmm. This might be. This might make me change my mind. So, at what point did the PlayStation Fund become a Nintendo Fund? As soon as that video arrived. Really? Oh. When that video <laughs> arrived, and I put it in. Yeah. I was like, what? Because I had like said the fun machine on it, and it had like the date, the release date, had this Mario, it had the Mario like from right here or whatever, yeah. just like looking at me, staring at me, like you know you want to come back. Watch. By the way, that, watch this. That pre-rendered Bowser on there—that's one of the grossest 
Bowser's. Oh, I think it's actually really good, Blood. I like you his do? proportions, yeah. yeah it's, I don't know, like his arms just look like they're sticking out real awkwardly, and he's like extra shiny. Damiani will add it with full screen graphics in post. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. But yeah, so I, I, I flip flop basically. Because uh, of I was that tape. on the PlayStation, got that tape. It's totally an N64. The Nintendo Power coverage then reinforced it. Mm -hmm. They kept doing all these previews on Super Mario 64. They showed off Zelda 64. They showed off what was going to be Star Fox 64. I was just like, oh my god, Got we're done, we're oh, done. Yeah, the early, 64. I was like, I'm out. Yeah, the we're, early Zelda footage with the, like, the Metal Man or whatever yep. he was fighting. I was just like, we're done here. I'm coming back, Nintendo. I'm sorry I betrayed you. You just triggered a new memory in me. This is I'm at Target. Ooh. And up at Target, they have a video where they were very competitive combative uh the nintendo 64 and playstation and which one's better and so i remember this ad that had conquer in it before it's conquer's bad fur day it's oh, like cute conquer yeah it's talking about all the advantages in nintendo 64 yeah it's like on the nintendo 64 you have no load times sorry cds you know it was like it was, <laughs> was various huge. like aggressive yeah. like that yeah that was i remember i think they actually nintendo power that. compared a space shuttle to a snail <laughs> as the speed difference <laughs> With the calculation. Can you believe that? Like, they didn't have to go in there, but they had kids writing in of, like, the FMV every day. They yeah. directly compared I, it. They had to do that I remember some time. of that stuff. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to call it, like, the, the brainwashing or anything like that, but yeah. they definitely were trying to, you know, put the messaging out there of that, hey, bring up these points yeah. when your fan, PlayStation fans try and tell you, your system can't do this. But we should go back to the fact that, at the time, PlayStation was one of a long string of people that didn't have a freaking clue oh yeah right even in 96 playstation is not a huge success i don't think right it wasn't really year. really until like resident evil final fantasy 7 i think that playstation started like really gaining a lot of hype right it had yeah because you're, you're referencing that there were predecessors to the sony playstation there was the the, the Philips cdi mm -hmm. the magnavox 3do I think it was like... The Panasonic Studio. Panasonic. There was like a Magnavox thing, right? I can't like remember. But something. there was the like really yeah. expensive Neo Geo thing. Oh, yeah. Now we, yeah. Um, there was a Jaguar. The Jaguar yeah. was talking about 64-bit tech yep. for a long time, you know? But that was like Atari. I think the other ones were more electronics manufacturers. Sure. Which yeah. Sony was also lumped into that group. Right. And people were like, what are you doing? You make TVs. Like, we have doing? Sega. Yep. We have Nintendo. There's no room for a third. We yep. forgot like even Apple may try to make a... A yeah. crack with Pippin early on. Um, people just like thought they were crazy. You're not going to do this. I and mean, we don't really need to get into it at this point. But obviously Sony had a whole lot of motivation for, for the PlayStation and wanting to make it succeed. And they just like stuck it to Nintendo. And, you know, that was... I thought that as much as people love to talk about the console war of the, the Genesis Master System versus the Super Nintendo, I always felt... The PlayStation N64 rivalry was huge. I remember yeah, absolutely it was. a Crash Bandicoot commercial mm -hmm. where he'd go outside of like Nintendo's headquarters with a megaphone yes. and would like make fun of the system and stuff. You're talking it, edgy? Like, That's the edgiest dude, possible like, thing. They skeet shooting with the N64. No, yes. that, was, that was Sega Saturn. Uh, uh, Sega Saturn? Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the Crash Bandicoot, uh, yeah, just going At out there. Nintendo HQ. Yes. What a genius ad. I mean, I was just like, wow, what, what is Nintendo doing? I, 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 <laughs> They're just going to sit and take this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can, we'll save this for another episode getting sure, into sure. that. There's a lot of good stuff to get into there. <laughs> yeah. But um, 
And we're also going to get into in other episodes, we'll definitely dedicate coverage to like Nintendo's first party offerings, like Super Mario 64, we've already talked a little bit about. You can do it a whole hour on yeah, 64. Yeah, Ocarina of Time, sure. Star Fox 64, Mario Kart 64. Um, we'll get into all those, but I think the, the point to make here is that um, Nintendo 64, when it came out, was a, it was a, a success at first, mm-hmm. but it experienced a lack of support that had not been seen before because of various reasons. A lot of people like to say because it was cartridge-based. And you saw a bunch of companies not making games for them anymore. So we had Super Mario 64 at launch. And then you had like Shadows of the Empire's a big like winter title. Mm-hmm. Then they had Mario Kart 64 came out spring of 97. Then you had Star Fox in summer. Then Diddy Kong Racing and, and GoldenEye at the end of the year. Diddy Kong Racing was like a stealth drop. Like came out of like Yeah, nowhere. I remember that. It came out of nowhere. Yeah. And th- those are like the four big games I can name. They're, they're huge games, but they're all like driven by Nintendo first party or second party studios. But there were no, there were other things too. Like we already bought like the Star Wars and you know, and then we had Turok. Turok was pretty big. Yeah, Turok was ninety seven. Um Pilot Wings. Uh, well, Pilot Wings, was, Pilot Wings was a launch first party, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so um, you're talking third party, big third party. Yeah, we're trying to find like, the big Doom third 64, party. which was like really interesting because it was like completely fresh from the ground up game that was only on the N64. Wait, really? Yeah. yeah. It's not Doom. It's a very different game. Wow, it's I like didn't know that. It's like 3D one. environments, but with sprite scaling. Huh. Um, which I guess that's the original Doom, anyways. But right. I mean, it was just like it was a very, but it, it looked different. It was a very different game. The level designs were different. Okay. Um, and uh, what else? And then like later in the life cycle, like you had the Top Gear racing games. Oh yeah. You had Top Beetle Gear Adventure Rally, racing. You had uh, like the San Francisco Rush. So like it's there's a definitely a slower pace, uh, and compared to the Super Nintendo, it's you know not nearly as many games. But the N64 actually did have a fair amount of third party through its life. Like you even had the uh, the Rogue uh, Rogue Squadron and uh, yeah the Indiana Jones game and Pod Racer later on too. Oh yeah, Pod Racer. Back to, yeah, Factor Five stuff was really good. Starting yeah. on N64 with uh, with Rogue Squadron and then the Episode One battle for Naboo and then carried over obviously into GameCube stuff. I wouldn't. I don't doubt that. I do not question that there was like good third party releases on the Nintendo sixty four, oh, and even and there here's were, one. Yeah, Space Station Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. Who who made that blood? Guys that made GTA. One this of their. Is, this is like a comedic, cartoony GTA essentially, where you are. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of got that dark humor going on, where it's like this guy who's you know supposed to save the world from this space station that's come back from the past um and and then he like crash lands and his robot um yeah his, his robot falls apart and so you, you're putting his robot buddy back together but the like the robot's chip can walk around so you basically like defeat all of these robot animals and then the chip jumps inside them and control them so there's like a rocket fox and like a mouse with so it's like you basically like hijacking just like you do in gta hijacking cars but you're hijacking these like robot animals uh, um so and th- platforming stages with this like really kind of dark sense of humor i thought of a few like third party games oh yeah Go glover ahead. oh yeah, glover wrong. to me was like uh 
this bunch of like we can we can we can do other games like Mario sixty four on this console. Here's Glover. Glover never looked appealing to me. Mm-hmm. No. What's the one with the B? Buck Bumble. Buck Bumble. Never. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, I I didn't ever, ever got to play it. What's but it the was tonic sort of one? On the edge. What's up? What's the tonic one? Oh, Oops. I know what you're thinking. It was a purple guy. Ubisoft made it, right? Yeah. Yeah. He looks like Rayman. Yeah. Oh. But it's about tonic. It's like tonic trouble or sure, something. Sure. Sure. Never. Uh uh-uh. uh. I mean, but then Mischief Makers. There's Mischief Makers. Well, yeah, but that's a 2D, cool 2D game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Treasure. Um, and so then I was thinking of, like, you think of the, the Super Nintendo. and the Quest point, 64. The point Damiani's trying to make. Yeah, Quest 64, good grief. Of, like, this was a go-to place. You think of, I was thinking of Capcom and Konami. You know, Konami mm. made Castlevania 64 mm. for the 64. And a couple of sequels. Meanwhile, killing it on the PS1. And, like, Capcom's best stuff is on the PS1. So, yeah. And, like, Resident Evil 2 made it to the N64, but it wasn't their focus. Okay, so you're a Mega Man Legends fan. Yeah. There's a sort of pseudo port, or what? what is that Mega Man? It's called Mega Man 64, 64. and yep. it's just Mega Man Legends. It is just, just Mega, Mega Man, Man Legends. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's, like, no I mean, difference. But, <laughs> the, but they kept in every, like, voice acting and stuff is all in there? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yes. Yeah, so oh, and Resident Evil yeah, Resident 2, 2 was, like, the biggest cartridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did that, and they even made a StarCraft 64. Oh, yeah. They, they, they tried. Oh, wow, They yeah. made, uh, yeah, they made, uh, what's the other one, Not uh, other than Doom, the uh, Quake was also, there was a Quake on N64. But you see, like, how interesting that is, like, that perspective when you compare that lineup to like the wii u where there's like just literally not third parties sure I, I, yeah they're 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 yeah they're obviously was like good third party support but the point kyle was making and will get to is certain blockbusters just decided to abandon like big publishers decided to not publish their triple mm-hmm. a games on Nintendo 64 that generation. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Capcom. I think the one of the biggest ones at the time was Square Enix basically pulling support. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Absolutely. The, 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 the yeah. video. Well, that got personal. Yeah. Like, that was executives not talking to each other anymore. Like, that was... It was basically... Yeah, yeah it stemmed... It basically stemmed from, like, the royalty fees and, the, like, that the companies had to pay... Third-party companies had to pay Nintendo For because... Oh, they were... Yeah, like, Nintendo was just, like draconian to the max like tyr- tyrannical almost and in- imposing their will at that okay. that was old uh yamauchi right there mm-hmm. all right sorry Yama- uh, yeah is it yamauchi or yamaguchi yamauchi. thank yeah. you this is like had a brain fart for a second it's like uh whatever but yeah that guy ruled an iron fist mm-hmm. when it came to third parties where sorry to get into like playstation stuff like sony was basically like we will do whatever it takes to get your games on on us on, yeah. Our, on yeah. playstation and yeah, Square Enix was just burnt out by that, or Square Soft yeah, Square at the time. Soft, yeah. And yeah, because I remember seeing the the 3D demo video for it was the Final Fantasy VI characters in mm-hmm. an N64 demo, and the next thing you know, there's this thing called Final Fantasy VII coming out. Like, wait, one, it's seven, and two, it's like, why is that not coming to Nintendo 64? I thought you had it. Like, where's that game you advertised? Right. Like, and nope. every other Final Fantasy game. And, that, has been and then Nintendo. now, yeah. now we know that it was never an N64 game. It was just yep. running on a Silicon Graphics workstation. Yep. No. Wait, what? It was not an N64 the, game. The, it was the, not planned to be an N64 game. People who designed game. the N64. It, but Nintendo Power ran it as GPU, if it was. Yeah. Because um, it was Whoa, called, revelations. Called, it was called Project Reality originally. So it's just some people who aren't f- involved with Square at all, just showing that they could potentially. No, no, no. It was Square. Square. Oh, okay, but, but it wasn't they showed it at SIGGRAPH on a on a yeah yeah on a workstation. Mm-hmm. It was not a actual game in production, and it was not an N64 game. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yep. And 
And it had like weird motion controls for like spells and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Or maybe not motion controls, but just strength like inputs. Like analog stick input or something? Yeah. You mentioned Capcom. Mouse, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. remember. Uh, you know, the in Konami, yes, we got Castlevania 64. Two Cast 64. Two Castlevanias on Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. But then PlayStation, PlayStation got Symphony of the Night. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, where, where's this? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why Nintendo 64 get it? That That's cool. Oh, look, uh, Capcom. What happened to Mega Man? Oh, yeah, we got Mega Man 64 after Legends already came out, but Mega Man franchise decided to, you know, not, not continue on the Nintendo 64. Which is crazy. Street, Street Fighter games? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, sorry, Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. I mean, some Mortal Kombat games obviously came out, but it's like, here's... You know, Sub Zero mythologies and right. The what was the other one? Yeah, it was Mortal, it was Mortal Kombat Four, right? Um, yeah, Midway because it, I think with the cruising partnership, yeah, I think that Midway was still pretty yeah. heavily backing in. NFL Blitz, baby, on the N sixty four. Heck yeah! Yeah, there was yeah. actually quite a few football games. That was back, also on place back when there were multiple football franchises. Yeah, <laughs> you mentioned Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, Code Veronica, all on PlayStation. We only got two on Nintendo 64. Mm. Eventually they came over, but, you know, late. Um, I, I It just, it signaled a, a changing of the guard with the Nintendo 64. Right, because Nintendo was the home it, of those franchises. Yeah, so I don't think it's accurate to say Nintendo 64 suffered because of lack of third-party support, mm-hmm. as we obviously recounted plenty of really good, you know, third-party games and th- big third-party publishers supporting Nintendo 64. So those few key titles... That just skipped the Nintendo 64. And I think it was enough to show people that, uh-oh, what's going on here? Like, why aren't they on there? But to help, one thing that Nintendo had up its sleeve, I think, that we haven't talked about en- enough yet, is Rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rare, Rare, Rare Games, they produced some of the best games on the Nintendo 64. Banjo-Kazooie. Yes. GoldenEye. Mm-hmm. Perfect Dark. Yep. Diddy Kong Racing. Cool. What else am I forgetting? Uh, well, Killer Instinct Gold was there Killer pretty Instinct early. Was there old. Oh, um, Jet Force Gemini. Yeah, Jet Force Gemini, yeah. Donkey, Donkey Kong 64. Kong 64. Donkey the Kong other ones 64. you're forgetting aren't the best on the console. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you said yeah, the three, yeah. and three maybe but four I mean, that are. They yeah. made, yeah, they made Banjo-Kazooie and Tui. Mm-hmm. Uh, Banjo-Kazooie, mm-hmm. Goldeneye, yeah. and... Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Conquer as well, which Conquer. I didn't even I mean I thought Diddy Kong Racing very late. There. People love that. Some people, right. people love, love that it. way more yeah. than it's Mario Kart sixty four. They're crazy, but they that's made okay. pretty <laughs> they, yeah, stellar lineup of games there. In fact, Kyle. Uh oh. What we got here? What? More Damiani history we got blood. Some, we got some cool oh my gosh, here. I remember this webpage. So first of all, got some uh Old Nintendo.com. This is from the late, mid to late, sorry, late 90s, like around 1997, 98. I went there to print off information in cheat codes. And then you kept it in a folder, pristine condition? Yeah, I had to to print them off. So look at that. It's like a summary. I don't know if I still have any of these, but I definitely have these. This is still coming out, by the way. I did this. Had like preview information, like a preview on it. Uh All contents copyright 97, 98. So this is 1998. It's like the the like it has like the synopsis for for Perfect Dark like that was like the the, the links you can click. It's and so weird end, at it this time because like, like everything's moving so fast. Yeah. I do feel like by the time Perfect Dark came out, it all it almost looked a little old already. I think it came out in '99 or was Perfect it Perfect Dark had weird delays, um, partly because of the camera thing. Yeah, the camera thing. Oh, where you could put your face in the yeah, game. Yeah, it's version mm-hmm. I use Game Boy camera. And then Nintendo Power sent this. It's a little dusty. For GoldenEye. So it came with Nintendo Power. 
has this nice little like letter on her like on her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, imagine a, a confidential Manila envelope, everybody. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening, that's got Damiani keeps it in pristine condition. Look at this. Dear Double O Agent. Oh. You are hereby requested to participate in the current operation to prevent the GoldenEye satellite system from being used by the Giannis Syndicate. Already, the Giannis Syndicate has demonstrated GoldenEye's deadly electromagnetic pulse, EMP, capabilities <laughs> by destroying no, the Servania <laughs> satellite station. We have arranged for you to take part in this critical operation via the Nintendo 64 video game system. <laughs> Begin immediately by contacting your local retailer and reserving your GoldenEye 007 game pack. <laughs> Start your assignment August 28th when you can pick up the game with a money-saving coupon below. Please review this entire dossier for information regarding the current assignment, enemy operatives, and the weapons and devices developed for you by the Q branch. So they called them game packs for yeah, pretty much game, the entire generation. Game packs was like cart yep. their word for cartridge, right. pretty much. It could have just said reserve GoldenEye, but mm. it said reserve the GoldenEye game pack. <laughs> then prepare yourself for the most engaging 3D dimensional mission-based game you've ever experienced. Truly yours, M. P.S. If you haven't yet secured your Rumble Pack, do so at this time. You don't want to miss feeling the impact of this highly simulating adventure. That's a... Uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot of GoldenEye stuff in here. It was presented like, you know, top secret files. But they do mention the Rumble Pack. Yeah. Uh, which we didn't really so talk it takes about. takes like a AAA battery? Um, two batteries, two AAAs, yeah. yeah so cool. either you feel confident in explaining what the, the Rumble Pack the was? The thing is, the, 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 the Rumble Pack is one of those things that very much, I think, was very easily written off by a lot of people as, oh, this is just some dumb gimmick. And yet, no, like, this is now, like, an industry standard thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, it really, it, it, it changed, uh, you know, wh how people make controllers. And it's crazy because it's like, it came with Star Fox 64. That was the first game that had it, which was also one of the first four-player games. Um, and we played a ton of Star Fox 64, uh, particularly before GoldenEye and Mario Kart came out. Um, but, uh, but in a way... It's funny because Star Fox was very much overcompensating to make you really notice. Like when there was an explosion, it was like your whole hand was like. Yeah. Um, better rumble and, than we have today, to be and, honest. And people, well, I don't definitely not better, but it was more extreme. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like you, your hands were really vibrating, your bones were vibrating <laughs> as somebody would be screaming on. Yeah, <laughs> on the screen. Uh, and and but then yeah, like Goldeneye, like yeah, getting the feeling of those weapons when you're shooting oh, and yeah. everything. That was it was just a oh, whole another yeah. dimension. But yeah, Goldeneye, that that game, that game carried the N64 for years. Oh yeah, big time. Big time. In marketing as well. It, yeah, oh, like yeah. people cool were just game. buying N64s to get Goldeneye. Because you know, and and I I can remember just so many situations where like that's just what you know people would do all weekend, you know you just yep. get four people together or more than that like people just rotate through. I feel like that is one of the strongest points of the Nintendo sixty four, is as you can see from the boxes we held up the system earlier. Kyle pointed out I had four controller points. Yeah, it was planned to be a big multiplayer experience from the get go. A fun machine and. Definitely, yeah, kind yeah. of a fun machine. Yeah. And I think some of people's fondest memories and the games they most fondly look back upon 
are the ones that took advantage of the multiplayer. You've been talking about GoldenEye. You talked about Star Fox 64 also had multiplayer in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mario Kart. Mario Kart. Smash Bros. And Smash Bros. Yeah, yes. yep. Mario Party, dude. Mario Party mm. and, and, and even Perfect Dark. Yeah, ridiculous. Those are the games people are playing long. I mean. Those wrestling games? Long after. Yeah. Long after. People still play Smash Brothers 64. Not as much anymore, mm-hmm. but like only a few years ago, it was still like a very popular, you know, highly played game because people just loved it so much. Mario Kart 64, uh, you can argue, hasn't aged as well. But I remember playing that like for, for even after GameCube came out, people were still playing that. People were still playing GoldenEye forever mm-hmm. on yeah. that until. Halo came along and everyone moved on to Halo, basically. I think that showed a lot of foresight. I think it showed a lot of foresight to have the different colors for controllers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think that was a feature of any console before that, of just everybody has an individual color for yeah. their, their... And it just made it more appealing to collect them. And yeah, well, not that. only that, but the, like the plug where you plugged it in mm-hmm. was like, the color as well, so you could see visually on the system I'm player which two, player I'm player you three. are. Yeah, yeah it's, that's so cool. Um, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, and, well, Smash Brothers is kind of a similar thing, I think, to the Rumble Pack, where, like, when they were showing that game in previews, we were just like, what is this weird, dumb game? <laughs> this is crazy. Like, they've just, like, Mario in a fighting game? And then, like, Link isn't in Kirby? Like, it was just, it was so bizarre. Yeah. I remember um, I remember having the article, I had, I had the magazine, EGM, at lunch, and I showed it to my friends at the lunch table. And it, there was a part of it that said, and Pikachu can shoot electricity out of his butt. And we <laughs> cracked up. <laughs> we thought that was so funny. And you're right, Blood. It was the craziest concept. It was the like you wanted work. to play yeah. it, but you yeah. didn't want to play it because you thought it would be a good game. It's just like, I just got to play this thing because yeah. it just is weird. And it was like, unlike any other fighter either, because mm-hmm. you weren't trying to like knock it, like beat them by knocking down their life bar to zero. You had to knock them off a stage. Like, it fit the whole Smash concept. Like, mm-hmm. that was just like, oh, it's a clever name, Smash Brothers. Like, no. Well, yeah, and then Smash the whole moves. smashing the analog stick. Yep. Like, yep. jamming it, you know, like, really thrusting it. Even the commercial for that game, the... One of the Happy Together NCAA with all the... Uh, just really good and on point, so... Yeah, you know, that's fair to say. At that time, you would never see Mario punch Pikachu. Oh, oh yeah. Never. <laughs> like, Nintendo to do yeah. that? Yeah. Like, take all their most prize characters mm-hmm. and say put them on screen and show them beating each other up yes. do you remember who else did that at the same same era and no. maybe it was even the same marketing team who knows it seems very similar uh battle tank 64 remember no when they like went after the snuggles bear yes. you didn't see this now i remember this you're talking about an ad right yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah. yes yes i do remember this <laughs> okay yes uh, Maximum Edge. You think it's a fabric softener commercial? Yeah, but then he, and like, then they blow. Up. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. And the bears like all burnt and stuff by the end, and the, the house has been destroyed by the tank. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, I want I want to move on real quick. Oh, okay. To yeah. to something else. I have a press release here, everybody. Oh my goodness. Going back in time. The prepared materials today, Damiani. <clears throat> remember, Reggie wasn't around yet, so I can't do a Reggie voice. Okay. Rome. March 10th, 1998. Rome, okay. 1998. After selling millions and millions of portable Game Boy video game systems with bright colors on the outside, Nintendo of America today, at a third-party publisher's conference held in Rome, Italy, what? announced the first Game Boys ever to generate full-color games from the inside. Can we time out for a second? Okay. You had this printed out from 1998? Yeah. 
So you, wow. didn't, you didn't just go back and reprint Look at the top. No. The banner says corporate info. Corporate info. <laughs> So literally from like that around that time, and you've kept this since then. Somehow, that's his genius. Okay, well, continue. Sorry. Continue. The new hardware systems will be launched in Japan, North America, and Europe later this year. So it's '98. Mm-hmm. Mm. The new game, uh, the new color Game Boy units. They're calling them color Game Boy units. Will be similar in size to the existing small Game Boy Pocket units, mm-hmm. but, will, but will contain new proprietary technology that displays sharp and vivid color graphics. Of a new type of color reflective reflective screen for play indoors mm, yep. or out of doors. That was a big thing for Nintendo. Like they wanted it to look good in the sunlight. The new technology will allow the simultaneous display of fifty six bright colors out of a palette of thirty two thousand. The new Game Boy, the new color Game Boy technology, while providing a dramatically enhanced portable video game experience. Also is designed for future expanding expansion opportunities. One is an ability to connect with the Nintendo 64 hardware units. Oh my god. They would say that right there? <laughs> what were they thinking of? The IR maybe? Color Game Boy. I don't cables. No. Maybe cables. This is the predecessor to the GC GameCube Game Boy Advance. It is, stuff. but I don't think I mean, there's, there's this guy. There's, there's a other yeah, pack. There's yeah. other stuff that happened, but Okay. They're getting at that. Color Game Boy will also run more than 1,000 games designed for it internationally since the system's inception in 1989. Those games will show colors in a range of hues from a 10-palette selection determined <laughs> by the player. Mm-hmm. Kind here's of. A, here's a quote. Right. Yeah. For years, our players have asked us for a Game Boy that could play their favorite games in color, but the technology and the high demand of battery life made it impossible says Howard Lincoln, chairman, Nintendo of America. As the first to surmount the technical obstacles, we are able to introduce a whole new generation of color games to the millions of people who love Game Boy. Just ignoring Game Gear there. Specifics on the technology, the software lineup, and a manufacturer's suggested retail price will be released in the coming months. Nintendo plans to market Color Game Boy worldwide in 1998. Since its release in 1989, Game Boy has dominated the worldwide market for handheld video games, selling more than 60 million units in less than 10 years' time. In the U.S., Game Boy products claimed nearly 90% of all category revenues in 1997. Wow. Domination, baby. Domination. So Game Boy Color. Oh, that's just more information for the company. That's so cool you printed that out back then. Yeah, I was excited. Yeah. So Game Boy Color came out the end of 1998. Sure. I'm curious... Did either of you pick one up, mm-hmm. and why was it a big deal for you, other than games being in color? Like, what what games kind of caught your attention that were specific for the Game Boy Color? No, I'll say I spent most of the time on Game Boy Color playing Pokemon. Oh. And so, when I got Pokemon, uh-huh. I'm playing on my big, fat Game Boy. I'd never had a pocket. Right. Uh, light. Never came out in the U.S. So, I never had a pocket. Um, and so, uh, that upgrade was worth it to me. I'm playing Pokemon so much. I love Pokemon. I can just I can have it on this nice thing, and this and Pokemon is gonna be in color. Heck yes. Uh, I don't think Metal Gear Solid Ghost Babble came out for a while. Um, so maybe my first Game Boy Color only game was the uh, Bionic Commando one. Mm, okay. And that game is sick. That's a sick game. I really really like that game. Cool progression. There's sniping missions. Highly recommendable. 
Uh, yeah, I didn't play Mario Deluxe. Yep, Mario, Super Mario Deluxe. Yeah, Super Mario Deluxe. I never played it, but that was cool. They added like a world map to Mario. And the and completion challenge. It was like the yeah. predecessor to achievements. They had like mm. checkbox, like score things. Did or, they? Yeah, there were little things you can complete in there to yeah. unlock. There's, uh, there's still got a bonus. That's when they started doing the red coin things. Yes, right? I think yep. so. Yeah. And they they added the like yeah, uh, it's like collectibles in those. But yeah, it was like it was genius. It was like mm -hmm. whoa, taking the classic game and. I'll tell you, you have uh, to go do extra challenges. One of the most striking things about the promotion of the Game Boy Color, when I think of the potential of it, the reason why you picked it up on day one, they showed Resident Evil on Game Boy Color. Oh yeah! Oh wow! They yeah. showed they showed like a screenshot, third yep. person of the Resident Evil Mansion from Resident Evil One. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that ever came out. A DS eventually had a Resident Evil game, but I don't think Resident Evil Game Boy Color. But they came did. Out. Yeah, they did a good job with some of the. Like the portrait art, like uh, when you think about what the Oracle games. Yep. The cutscenes in those like look really impressive. Oh yeah, dude. yeah, yes. yeah, like oh yeah. I was gonna give special shout outs to the Link's Awakening DX. Mm -hmm. Like love playing that. Yes. Added the the color dungeon. My first Zelda game, Damiani. Yeah. Wow. Well, here's yeah. the funny thing Good is one. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I never played DX. So when I did my stream of Ooh. the original, people were trying to tell me to do things, and I'm like. Oh, what are you even talking about? Right? <laughs> you take pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. And it was like, I don't. Yeah, yeah this wasn't a thing like in, in the there. original game. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I was entirely checked out on Game Boy Color. Um, I had a Super Game Boy, yeah. which at that point was how I played Game Boy games. Like, I didn't even bother with the Game Boy itself. I played Game Boy games on my TV. Um, and. Um, I was also just about to graduate and or actually if it was coming out late in 98 like I was yeah I was out of school I was getting ready to move and yes yeah, so it just wasn't even on my periphery really um and so it's just like yeah you know I I, I didn't see anything because like a lot of what I saw was you know games like Mario or, or Zelda that were enhanced older games. I didn't like the color palette for Mario. I didn't think it still looked as good as an NES. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the other stuff like Pokemon is like, well, you can still play this on my Super Game Boy. Sure. So, yeah, uh, so, yeah there's, there just wasn't really anything there that jumped out at me. So I completely skipped Game Boy Color until uh, Game Boy Advance came out, and that's when I got the Oracle games. Yep. Nice. I, I remember, I mean, yeah, obviously a big selling point of the GBA was this backwards compatibility, but specifically the Oracle games came out so close yep. or right after that there actually was a feature. There was a GBA-only room or a building. Mm. I think it was, I don't know if it was in both, but it was definitely in Oracle of Ages where you couldn't access it unless you're playing on the GBA. Really? Like they, they, yep. So I didn't play those until 3DS. I wonder if I got into that Game Boy Advance room. I wonder. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I, huh. I forget if they added that on there. I, I should really know that. But yeah, I Super Game Boy also deal. had a lot of like unique color things that I, I think eventually ended up transferring over to Game Boy Color as well. And they had like weird borders and stuff that you could put in. Oh, yeah. When we say kind of, when they said you can select the color palettes, it's because you have to know the cheats, basically. Yeah, the different combos. And you had to, like, yeah. oh, God. I think the Super Game Boy lets you, like, do that a little bit more. And, like, select the... The background. Yeah. Or the, yeah. the, the, yeah, the mortise. Like, you could template. actually, like, pick that stuff more manually. That was a nice touch. I like that. I did Actually, like I think they had, like, a some kind of Super Game Boy guide. Were like with a bunch yes. of different games, like yes. they showed the colors that like worked best for that game. There's a player's guide for it. Yes, yes. I remember that. 
Um, but I, I do like uh, the press releases make me did make me laugh because they basically were like trying to make it sound like a bigger, grander thing than hey, forget about the Sega Game Gear, or any other offerings that have come out before us. We've cracked it because they were so late to the party on yeah, that, yeah. and they made it like a big. Like, we cracked the code. But the battery life is the whole story, though. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it totally is because pumping a light into your system chews batteries, and to make that so that you could just like have it reflective the, and have color, yeah. Yeah, the, like my brother had a Game Gear. And it, had, it took six AA batteries, three on each side. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where's that plug? Where's that charger? Because we'd run out of batteries so fast on that. And I was, I was like, it was a real, it was, the struggle was real with battery life back in the day. With uh, having to use like actual batteries and having like, you know, a lithium ion battery in there that was rechargeable or anything like that. It's so funny. It's the same thing with that printer. It's the same thing with that printer because they said, well, we can't have a printer that requires ink. We got to figure out something else, and that's yeah. why it's that heat-based printing. You know, it's that same kind of thing, where the primary concern is battery life, and so they they compromise out of that limitation. Yeah, but uh, I I still feel like Game Boy Color like having some good releases on it. I feel it had like the shortest lifespan of any of the portables. Yeah, because Game Boy had except so for this cool. portable. Oh yes, the, is this a portable? You t- you, the virtual here's boy? the segue. I, I actually <laughs> didn't bring the the backing, but yeah, like this was designed to work with a with batteries. Oh, cool. Um, but there's a, yeah, there, you basically you buy an adapter to be able to plug it in the wall. So, so, so what is that, Bloodworth? What are you, what are you holding so this, there? This is a Virtual Boy. This is the Virtual Boy controller. Oh. Uh, so this is 95. This is pre-N64. This is pre-analog sticks. Yeah. So, like, the way that they handled depth was to have two D-pads. <laughs> so you had one D-pad that, like, handled the Z-axis and the other one that, like, went up and down on the, the Y um, and then, yeah, just like an A and B, and then shoulder buttons on the back. And actually really nice triggers. It's not a bad controller. Yeah. Um, it's got, like, yeah, like it's got, like, really grippy bits there, too, which, you know, maybe or maybe not fit your hands. Um, and then, yeah, and then the this headset. system itself. Yeah. Um, oh, and then this is the cartridge, right? this big flat thing. Show me where the cartridge goes in yeah. the blood. Yeah, show us. Uh, the cartridge goes in the bottom, so this is actually... There's one in there right now. And you say this but is a portable system. it's not easy to get in system. and out either. Like right there. Oh, What'd tennis. What have in there? Oh, tennis. Tennis is just in there right now. Tennis is the one I played at Toys R Us. So what came with almost all of them? Yeah, they, oh, yeah, okay. they came with them. I mean, I think all of them. They didn't do like multiple shipments of this device. Right. Um, and then there's some sliders to adjust the focus and size of the screens or whatever. But it's like, it's basically... It's very much like a Game Boy in that it's like it's monochromatic. It's a red light <laughs> to do all the pixels, and then there's two images, you know. And so it's basically how it does the 3D is have two images coming at you, um, and then stereo sound as well. Um, I always played this thing um, not like this because I could never like get into it comfortably. Yeah. Because of my height, uh, so I would lay it face down on the bed and I would just lay <laughs> on top of it what? And that, and, uh, so that's I, so cool that's, yeah. the, that's so, how I ended up having to play either lay on top of it or put it on my face yeah so h- how did you wear it like head mounted though where's the strap that goes around your head and there everything? isn't no head you're supposed oh. to play it like this standing up oh, on the table Tend to didn't think of that huh <laughs> I'm sure they thought of it. Also, I'm, the I'm weird thing is that the again the power comes from the controller, so like the controller is the only thing plugged this, into there. This thing was expensive when it came out originally. 
Yeah, was it 250? And it dropped so fast. I remember getting this. I bought this on my own when I was in college. Well, like many, like like you mm-hmm. know, well after. Um, but they were still. You could still find them in stores. Whoa. I think I got it for thirty bucks. Oh, uh, uh, in store a new one. Like a, uh, yeah, like a Kmart a, or something. Yeah, like a Target or a Walmart or something. Still had some. And I got it for thirty bucks, twenty nine ninety nine. It was just like we're getting, like we're just trying to get rid of any that we still have. I think I don't know what they are now, but I bet they don't cost thirty bucks now if you try and go online and I get one. I kind of want one. I got oh yeah, I'm sure they're expensive now. I got this as well as like all the games. I have like four or five games. Nice. Um, from a kid at summer camp for twenty Whoa. bucks. Nice. Like we played with it like that whole summer, and then like at the end, I'm like. Can I just buy this off of you? And he's like, yeah, it's just 20 bucks, whatever. Whoa. That's, that's a good deal, Bloodworth. The controller feels great. Yeah. This is actually a really nice Nintendo controller. Like, I think that the two weaknesses of this is the I was pointing out, like, you couldn't wear this. Like, even back in the mid-90s, VR headsets were always, like, in media, were shown off as being strapped around your head. So having to do this awkward, like, lean into it type thing. Yeah. And then for kids... There were all those warnings and the, the reports. Oh, you can't news- stay in that thing like, for more than 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, like no. news reports would come out like, don't let your children play. This is not for like little kids. It'll mess up their eyesight. There's all these weird. Oh, that'll cr- kill it. There's all these But reports. I mean, if you don't have everything adjusted either, it will give you a headache. Like, yeah. Straight up. It was just like, it was the first time I remember Nintendo having like, a bona fide flop. Like we yes. like to joke about even Wii U, mm. the, nothing did as abysmally bad as the Virtual Boy, and it was pulled like right away. Like you're saying, like just months later, you just didn't hear about it. Um, I'd say another another problem it had in terms of not meeting expectations is that the games, for the most part, weren't actually 3D. Like they yeah. they had they had dimension to them it's visually, like layered, but effects. it was like layered. Yeah. 2D games. So like Wario Land here is easily the best game on the platform, but it's a side-scrolling Wario Land game in which you like jump back and forth from the foreground to the background, um, and and then you have like things that like fly in your face like big old uh, ball and chains or whatever. Uh, but like Mario Tennis is kind of 3D, and then uh, Red Alarm. Is the flying game that's kind of like Star Fox, but here's the problem: Red Alarm's polygons could not be textured. Yep. (laughs) So it's all wireframed. So it's all wireframed. So you run into walls that you can see through. Yeah. (laughs) You don't realize that you're running into walls and you're trying to fly this (laughs) ship. (laughs) I was so stoked to try that when I played. I was like, "This is not work. It's not working as I expected." Like, I mean, it did, but like, I just couldn't judge stuff because of that. I was like. No, this is and then not, again not because like for. how you twist it and stuff that makes how deep it looks yep. change. Oh gosh, such a weird flashbacks. thing. Yeah, such a such a weird system. But hey, part know, of the history. They, they came back to 3D down the line. Yeah. yeah. Um. And now we have the 2DS Excel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so any any other closing thoughts you want to say about any of these three systems? Because uh, we got kind of get a move on to the the last segment here. Um, it's running out of time. I don't know if there's. I think we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, N64 is a great console. I do think that it it had a lot of problems that Nintendo kind of forced upon themselves. 
and it, it it is a weird part of video game history. It's a huge chunk of video game history. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of we'll get into it when we go to GameCube. But I do. It's just it was a turn. It was a turn. It was a decision that Nintendo made that they've kind of still yeah feel that today of what happened with Nintendo sixty four. And I will say it's like it's this weird combination of factors too because it's like it's very easy for me to see Nintendo's perspective of like consumers aren't going to want to wait for a minute and a half for a game to load you know like they need to just push the button and it be on like yeah you're not going to sit around for that kind of thing and and, and this other thing you know like prioritizing the graphics 3d graphics during gameplay so that like everything feels and looks solid you know whereas like playstation's textures were kind of like warp around and all of that which you know for me not having a playstation like when i'd go to people's houses and i'd see stuff and i'm like Oh, guys, don't you see that? And they like had no idea what I was even talking about. Like I would try to explain it to them, but no yeah. words would like it didn't bother them. They well, were just playing Tony Hawk. Like, yeah. Uh PlayStation could not have Ocarina of Time on it. It couldn't have Banjo kazooie Those simply wouldn't run on that console. And so yeah, it definitely had its advantages. It's hard to say they focused on the wrong stuff in but going with cartridges. But it's yeah, it's it's that it's that huge difference in like how much storage space the CD provides and mm-hmm. the new things that you could do with it and the licensing, yeah. you know, like Nintendo basically still wanted to act like they were Kings when there was somebody just coming around. Yeah. Poaching every publisher. I think that was the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, only thing we, we really didn't get into much discussion about the, the controller itself. We'll do, we'll do a future episode where we judge and maybe rank controllers from best to worst. Something we'll, we'll really get into the N64s. Oddly shaped controller. Oh yeah, we didn't really talk yeah, about the analog I, stick. I mean, that is that is a huge part of the story. Just being able to tiptoe versus run, uh, just by pushing. Yeah, and I mean, when a lot of people thought about video games at that time, they thought of that thing. You know, that that thing doesn't look cool. <laughs> that thing looks uh, obtuse. And so when you think of gaming, you think of video games, you think of this these obtuse, strange shapes, and you need to learn how to use the controller even to learn how to play the games. And I can see where it would start excluding people and it would become a thing that's more niche and things like that. Just simply by the way that yeah. weird controller looks. I'll say, first time I played Mario 64 anywhere was at a Toys R Us mm-hmm. at like, the demo kiosk. I had the hardest time trying to run straight as Mario. Like, just could not do it in 3D. Yeah. And that analog stick. It was just so weird and foreign to me. Eventually it clicked, but like I remember I, the struggle was real for me. It was like drunk Mario. It's like... Eh. I'm the same thing with GoldenEye still, dude. Yeah. They can't do it. But uh, and we'll get into that at another point. We also didn't really talk about like the expansion pack, like I love that, that the came out as pack. well. I actually love it. Some games required it. Yeah. But no, overall, you know, I I, I still love that this system, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much. Well, I'll wrap it up with that. But next time we will be talking about. We'll be moving on to the the GameCube Game Boy Advance era, mm-hmm. and talking about those two interlinked systems, the handheld and console. Mm-hmm. Nintendo kind of furthering the messaging they were pushing in this press release of the N sixty four Game Boy Color. Ooh, birth of the Switch, right there. Birth of the Switch. Birth of the Switch. Birth of the Switch. <laughs> pal. Hold you to it. So that'll be that'll be next time. But uh, we have just enough time for our. So I said, I believe I said last time in housekeeping that. Uh, Question of the week was becoming last call. So this is yep. our segment, last call with Carson Daly. What? Kyle's never going to stop doing that. Um, <laughs> where we're going to select a question from one of our five dollar and above patrons uh, for each episode, and we'll let you know in advance what the subject is. 
So this episode, we were looking for an N64. Actually, we set everything up through GameCube. So we'll save some of those questions for next time as well. Um, But I'm still going to ask this one because even though we didn't cover GameCube, I still like this question a lot. So the question, this 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 episode's last call is from Swordfish00830. Uh, and it's actually a question directed at Blood. And they'd like to know, was the GameCube the one console that got you into video game journalism? Were you just writing about N- Nintendo for fun? Like, people would write FAQs on GameFAQs for everyone. Um, yeah, it's a complicated answer because it was definitely a turning point for me. Um, but... Uh, I started, the first things I really started writing about video games was like in a junior high school newspaper. Um, (laughs) And they were like a paragraph or two long. Um, And a lot of it was just sort of rehashing things that I read in Nintendo Power and was not very good. Um, (laughs) And uh, That's how we all start though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But... um, (laughs) We're laughing. um, (laughs) But but then uh, in high school... I, I kind of shocked my mom because I was pretty shy. I wasn't I wasn't very outgoing in a lot of ways, and uh, I I was reading this this article in the newspaper, and I saw that it was like written by like you know like another teenager or whatever, and I saw that like they had like a teen section of writers uh, for the newspaper, and I'm like, oh that's cool, I want to get involved, and so like I called them up and like and and wanted to get more info, and so basically yeah like right there like i was you know i i had no interest in like the high school newspaper at all because like i'm writing for the actual newspaper uh and so i would do articles nice. once a month and they weren't always video game articles but there were quite a few um and uh i, I oh yeah what one of the reasons that i never got into the whole uh girl gaming thing that people that face people went through is because i did it back then i did it in like 94 or 95 i went around talking to girls and what they thought about video games <laughs> and got like one of my friend's best friend into a game store and like had her play kingsfield and jumping flash and chrono trigger and like what stuff does she like what does she not like um so it's kind of hilarious to look back on. we're out on the savannah trying to see <laughs> what she types like of games do they enjoy we tried kingsfield <laughs> a Kingsfield game, and um, oh, and uh, yeah, I think the f- first first thing that was published was Donkey Kong Country. So it was yeah, nice. end of '94. So yeah, that dates me. So it's been over 20 years that I've been writing about video games. Nice. Uh, and then yeah, GameCube era. Leading up to the GameCube, I was really getting more involved uh, with communities online, and there were some websites and some forums that I was interested in, and then eventually they kind of brought me in on Planet GameCube just to, like, update cheat codes and stuff like that. And I tried writing a Pikmin review, and they liked that. And then I just, like, very quickly, like, I don't know, probably within, like, six or eight months, ended up, like, being, like, on the senior staff and, like, editing other people's reviews and stuff like that. So, um, and then, yeah, going through E3 and everything every year. So the interest started long before the GameCube, but the GameCube is really where you took off. Yeah. In video games. Nice. Yeah, it was like, cool. yeah, like writing, like, you know, every night after work, pretty much. Whoa. Good stuff. Origin story for, for Blood Earth there. Yeah. It's always good to hear. So uh, thank you again, Swordfish, for that question. 
And a reminder, next time we will be covering GameCube Game Boy Advance. So I will make another post. I will give you all a chance to ask more questions just about that. But don't feel bad if your question wasn't used from last time. I'll, uh, there's still a chance it could be used for the next time we do this. And again, if somehow a direct or something springs up between now and next recording. It could happen. It could happen, baby. <laughs> um, Never know. That Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga plus, plus uh, Bowser's Minions. Bowser's Minions. Yes. <laughs> um, virtual Console Direct could happen. Mm -hmm. uh, who knows? You know, could be some crazy stuff in there. Reggie might say something cool as well. Who knows? But... Could happen. Could happen. Um, we'll definitely, you know, opt to cover that, and then we'll hold the Memories Part 3 for the time after that. But the next part will be the last part of the Nintendo Memories, so we will be moving on to something different after that. How also, frequently do we put up episodes of this? Yeah, so it goes up uh, every other week opposite of Frame Trap. And they go up at Sundays uh, around 5 o'clock Pacific time. Mm -hmm. And then uh, for patrons who are dollar or higher, and it'll go up on Tuesdays noon for everyone else. And... Uh, Sorry, before I was going to say that, I was like, yeah, we're getting close to like E3 time. So, yeah. oh man, E3, E3 episode, episode of episode. A Friend Code. Oh, mega, mega episode, possibly. Um, ultra. Ultra episode. <laughs> Kyle Bossman. Yeah. Since you, you always ask, like, why don't I do this? Mm -hmm. I think you're an expert in this field. Could you tell us a little bit about Easy Allies, Kyle Bossman? Oh, sure. Uh, Easy Allies is supported through Patreon, uh, specifically patreon.com slash Easy Allies is where you would go to see how we have ourselves set up. Uh, we wouldn't exist without Patreon. Uh, we simply wouldn't be able to do these strange things. Uh, this very podcast, this Nintendo podcast, was part of a 40K goal. Yep. Where if we made $40,000 a month, we would be doing two new podcasts, this one and a movie podcast that's hosted by Ian Hink. Uh, they're rolling. They're, they've happened for 40K two months in a row. Uh, yeah. We made it through May with 40K still. Feels good. This podcast will continue and so will <laughs> yeah, yeah. Easy Allies. So check out that URL if you're curious on how you could support us in doing what we do, which is making videos and things about video games and other things that we love. Nice. Thank you for that, Kyle. Thank you both for being on again. Always a pleasure to have you two on mm -hmm. to discuss all things Nintendo. Stop all things. Stop all things. <laughs> yeah. Nintendo will never stop now. Yeah. It's all things. No, I'm, I got to come up with new ones each time. That might be a goal. <laughs> anyway, we were good often enough. So uh, <laughs> thank you again, everyone, for watching, and see you next time on Friend Code.